All right, thank you so much for that song. Aren't you glad we belong to Jesus, amen? And uh, I know that it's Sunday afternoon. I know that many of us are tired. I also know that we got a long work week or a long school week ahead of us, so I promise I will preach fast. We'll get out of here quickly. You can get an extra 20 to 30 minutes of sleep tonight. Work very good for your boss tomorrow, and they might give you a raise. Amen? And I promise we'll try to get out of here as quick as possible. All right? Make sure everybody gets a little extra sleep tonight. If you would, take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter number 9. The book of Ecclesiastes, chapter number 9. If you don't know where it is located in your Bible, it's in the Old Testament, right after the book of Proverbs. And that's a little book, not, uh, not real, real long, just about 12, 12 chapters or so, 13, 12 chapters to be exact. But uh, we'll look at something tonight that I hope will be a, a blessing to us and uh, an encouragement to our hearts. The book of Ecclesiastes, chapter number 9, and uh, we're going to start reading in verse number 13. The Bible says this, This wisdom have I seen also under the sun, and it seemed great unto me. There was a little city... And a few men within it, and there, there came a great king against it, and besieged it, and built great bulwarks against it. Now there was found in it a poor wise man, and he by his wisdom delivered the city. Yet no man remembered that same poor man. Then said I, wisdom is better than strength. Nevertheless, the poor man's wisdom is despised, and his words are not heard. The words of wise men are heard in quiet more than the cry of him that ruleth among fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroyeth much good. Let's pray. Dear Lord, most precious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, so much for your many blessings. And Lord, we thank you most importantly and above all for coming to this earth, dying for our sins and for giving us eternal life. And Lord, we thank you so much for allowing us to again come to your house and to worship you. And we thank you, Lord, so much for the time that we've already had today. And Lord, as we come around your word for just a few moments this evening, I do pray, God, that you would bless our time together as your word is opened. Lord, your word is an amazing book, and it can do things that no man could ever imagine. Lord, your word is powerful. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And I pray that your word would go out and it would bless and that we would have a, just a, a wonderful time tonight coming around your word. I do pray that you would be with me, Lord. Help me as I give this tonight and preach this tonight as you have laid on my heart. Lord, I cannot do this in my own strength. Lord, I need your help. I don't want to waste anyone's time. Lord, if I try to do it in my own strength, in my own flesh, and in my own wisdom, Lord, I would waste people's time. And I don't want to do that. And I pray that you would meet with us tonight. Please, Lord, be with my dad and, and Brother David as they are in the Philippines. Lord, keep them safe, and I pray that you would bless our time this evening. Lord, we love you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Solomon, the third king and the last king of Israel before it split into two nations, he, um, he had a very unique position that no one else really in Scripture had the privilege of having. If we go back to 1 Kings chapter 3, God comes to Solomon and basically says to him, Solomon, I'm going to basically, what, if you ask me for something, I will give it to you. I mean, that's pretty amazing, right? To have the creator God of heaven come to you and say, hey, whatever you ask of me, I'll give it to you. 
Could you imagine if God came to people today and said, whatever you want, you ask me for one thing and I'll give it to you. Imagine the list of things that people will come up with. I can only imagine some of the things that people would say. Solomon here, though, he's given a unique opportunity. And he could say, you know what, I, I could, you know, I'm, I'm king now. I could really use a lot of you know, fame. I could use a lot of popularity. I could use a lot of strength and power so that our enemies all around us would be scared. I could use a whole lot of money. He goes, I could ask for all of these things, but yet when we go to 1 Kings chapter 3, Solomon asked for understanding and wisdom. And God is such a good God, not only did he give him wisdom, he gave him those other things that he could have asked for, but he didn't. And so here's Solomon, and even though he is considered to be one of the wisest men who ever lived, besides the Lord Jesus Christ himself, and he was I mean, a very wise man, even though he was considered one of the wisest, something happened later on in his life that deterred him from serving God. Some things came up, his, some distractions in his life, and instead of enjoying his wisdom, he ended up wasting his wisdom. And so when we get to the book of Ecclesiastes, you, you kind of picture in your mind Solomon is this old, grumpy man. Do y'all know any old, grumpy men? <laughs> Solomon is an old, grumpy man. I'm just kidding about the grumpy part. But he's an old man at this time. And, and what he is doing here in the book of Ecclesiastes, he's basically preaching to a group of younger men, and he's like, look, I've wasted a lot of things in my life. And young men, I'm going to encourage you, learn from my mistake. I'm going to share with you some things that if I, I could have done this better, I could have done this, I, I'm, I messed up here, and I wish I would have done it this way. And as he is writing this and he's encouraging these men who are younger than him, and, and thankfully we get to reap the benefits from this little book, we, we learn something. And Solomon here, I believe that what he is trying to get at and throughout this book is that he says, I want to put the emphasis where God puts emphasis. I want to put emphasis where God puts emphasis. And so here for just a few minutes tonight, that's what, I'm, that's what I want to preach on. Put emphasis where God does. Because Solomon made some mistakes. And he's trying to teach a younger generation. Hey, learn from my mistake. Learn from my mistake. And here specifically in Ecclesiastes chapter number 9. He goes, look, there's something that I messed up on. And I want you to learn from my mistake. Let's put the emphasis where God does. And we're going to look at something tonight that I believe will be a help to us. And that is that wisdom is better. Wisdom is better. So let's look at two things very quickly from these verses. And then we'll go to the house and hopefully everyone will get some ice cream. All right. For, we're going to look at two things tonight. First thing we're going to look at is the story. The story. Look with me in verse 13. The Bible says this. This wisdom have I seen also under the sun and it seemed great Unto me. So in verse 13, here you have Solomon and he is commending wisdom. He goes, Look, wisdom is great. Wisdom is a wonderful gift from God. 
Which, by the way, Proverbs tells us throughout that God is the source of wisdom. And so in verse 13, he goes, look, this wisdom, this is, this is great stuff. It's rare nowadays to find someone who has wisdom. You may have someone who has a lot of smarts about them. They may have a lot of degrees, high school, college, several college degrees. But just because you have a lot of degrees doesn't make someone wise. And so here in verse 13, Solomon is commending wisdom. Wisdom is a great thing. It's valuable. And we need more wisdom. I need more wisdom in my life. And here's Solomon as he's writing this. And like most preachers do, he uses an illustration. He uses an illustration. And that's what we read in verse 14 and verse 15. Now there's a little bit of... Some people think that this story that we read in verse 14 and 15 is just a story that Solomon makes up. Others believe that it actually happened and that Solomon is sharing this from personal experience. And you can find that in 2 Samuel chapter 20. To say 100% sure, I don't know. And I guess it's just one of those things that we'll have to ask when we get to heaven. So just add that to the list. How many of you have a list of things you want to ask when you get to heaven? All right, All right well just add this to the list. Um, the story that Solomon shares in Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Was that real or did Solomon just make that up? Because preachers never, ever make up illustrations. Verse 14. There was a little city and few men within it. And there came a great king against it and besieged it and built great bulwarks against it. So when we get to verse 14, Solomon tells this story. He goes, look, there was this little city. Doesn't share where it is. Doesn't share the name of it. He goes, there's this little city. It, it's nothing fancy. It's kind of probably insignificant. There's not a whole lot going on in this little city. I mean, there's even not really a whole lot of citizens that live there. He says there was a little city and a few men within it. So this is really kind of a, this, it's not very big. It's insignificant. They don't have much to offer. It's small. It's tiny. No one really wants to go to this little city. Until one day, the Bible says in verse 14, and there came a great king against it. So out of nowhere, here comes this great king. We don't know his name. But he comes, and the Bible says, and besieged it, which means surrounds it, and built great bulwarks against it, or strongholds. And so he is this great king, whoever he is, has come to this little city, he has built, he has surrounded it, he has built these bulwarks, these strongholds, he's doing everything that he can to fortify himself, make himself stronger, so that he can take over this little city that's not really bothering anybody or doing anything. And we don't know why the great king came to besiege the little city. I mean, the Bible doesn't tell us why. Maybe he came for, you know, pride, just to kind of fuel his own ego. Because people never do that. Maybe he came because he was covetous. He was a great king, but he didn't have this little, tiny, insignificant city. I have all this stuff, but that one little thing I don't have, I want it. So maybe he came for covetousness. Maybe he came for revenge. Maybe they said something mean and nasty about him, and he wanted his revenge. Or maybe he just wanted to wreak havoc on people that he thought was beneath him. We don't know. We don't know his reasoning behind it. 
But here's what we do know. There was this little city, not bothering anybody, just a few citizens living within it. And here comes this great king out of nowhere, surrounds it, fortifies himself, and he thinks that he's got the victory in the bag. He's like, this is easy, easy peasy. No big deal, no problem. I am a great king. And here's this little city. We'll surround it, build a few strongholds. No problem, a few days, that little city will be mine. However, there's a verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 where the Bible says, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Here's the issue. The prideful man will only see destruction at the end of the day. So here's this great king. Thinks he's got the victory won. This little tiny city that's not doing anything. It's insignificant. Nothing fancy. But then look what happens in verse 15. Now there was found in it a poor wise man. And he, by his wisdom, delivered the city. So here come, here's this little city. They're walking, they look out one day and they see this king. This great king. Has them all the way surrounded. Everywhere they look, they see his army. They see these strongholds that they're building. And they're like, we don't have a chance. This is not good for us. We don't have the army that he has. We don't have the supplies. We don't have the resources. What are we going to do? And then out of nowhere, here comes this poor wise man. Doesn't really have anything to offer inside of this poor little city. But the Bible says, now there was found in it a poor wise man and he... By his wisdom, delivered the city. I don't know what this poor wise man said. But whatever he said was amazing. Because this city had zero chance to win the victory. And yet whatever he said, that little insignificant city defeated. And the entire city was delivered from the great king. That's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. You are outnumbered a thousand to one and yet you lose. Or you win. I said that backwards, didn't I? You're outnumbered a thousand to one and yet you win. That's incredible. I wish I knew what that poor wise man said. I would want to know what he said. How, what did you say? What advice did you have? Because your little tiny insignificant city defeated this great king who has surrounded you, had all these strongholds. I mean, what, did you, what advice did you give? I mean, how many of y'all want to know what he said? I want to know. But you want to know something? Not everybody in town felt the same way. Because look at the end of verse 15. Yet no man remembered... That same poor man. That's the sad part. Amazing story of how this, this little poor wise man inside of a little tiny insignificant city defeated this great king who had all the resources at his disposal, delivered him from that, and yet they don't even remember his name. 
that poor wise man was instrumental, instrumental in them being delivered and their lives being saved. And yet they can't even remember his name. How cruel is that? Now that's the story. What's the significance behind it? And that's the second thing we're going to look at, the significance. What's the meaning of this story? What is Solomon trying to get across to this group of younger men that he's trying to teach? What do you think that God is trying to get across to us today through this little story? Let's look at verse 16. The Bible says this, Then said I, Wisdom is better. See, here's the thing. God puts emphasis on wisdom over strength, over popularity, over fame, over money, over power. God is putting emphasis on wisdom. And so Solomon here, under the inspiration of God, is writing, this little, this poor wise man in this little city didn't really have much to offer except for one wise word. One wise phrase. And he defeated someone that they had no business winning against. And so he says in verse 16, wisdom is better. Wisdom is better. He goes, wisdom is better than strength. But, 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 but look, what, look what happens here. Nevertheless, the poor man's wisdom is despised. And his words are not heard. You know, when you look around at society... In our world today, in our culture, you know what they care more about? Who's got the most followers on social media? Who's got the most money? Who's got the most popularity? Who's got the most fame? Who's the most popular? That's what society cares about today. They don't care about wisdom anymore. You know what? This person's got 8,500 million followers on the, the Snapchat or Instagram or TikTok or whatever it is. You got more followers, you're more famous, you're more popular. That's what society cares about. They don't care about wisdom anymore. Caring about wisdom has really, it's becoming a forgotten thing. But you want to know something? So one of Solomon's favorite phrases in the book of Ecclesiastes is there's nothing new under the sun. So even though we look at our society and be like, our society's in a mess. They don't care about wisdom. Guess what? Solomon was dealing with the same thing. People back then didn't care about wisdom. Because if they would have cared, we would, have, we would know the name of this poor wise man. But we don't. And society today, if whoever's more, most popular, whoever has the most songs coming out, whoever's on top of this chart or that chart, whoever has the most money, that's what they care about. But yet the Bible says that wisdom is better. Than strength. But our society will say the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. They care more about all the other stuff, the distractions of the world, and they neglect the wisdom. Look at verse 17. The words of wise men are heard and quiet more than the cry of him that ruleth among the fools. Let me ask you this question which is more beneficial for us? The quiet words of a wise man. Or the ruler who is crying out, yelling and screaming a bunch of foolishness. Which do you think is more better for us to hear? 
The wise man's words, right? Which one is more beneficial for us? The quiet words of a wise man. Yet you know what we find in our culture today? They would rather hear a ruler, as it says, the cry of him that ruleth among fools. That's what they want to hear rather than the quiet words of a wise man. You want to know something? I don't know, if, I don't know if another way to illustrate this than this. If your car is making a bunch of noises and it's making funny noises and it's not running right, you don't go to your dentist. Do you? No. I mean, could you imagine your car makes a funny noise, you pull up in your dentist office, you walk in, and the receptionist at the, de- uh, the desk says, hey, may I help you? You're like, my car's making a real funny noise. Can you look at it? The receptionist is going to look at you and be like, um, well, to be honest with you, uh, we don't work on cars here, we work on teeth. So if you have a toothache, we can fix that. And vice versa. If you have a toothache, you don't go to your mechanic you know what they're probably going to do? They're probably going to pull out a pair of channel locks, rip the tooth out, and be like, you know what? Problem solved. No toothache because now it's in my channel locks. But when you have a problem, you go to someone who can help you solve the problem. You don't ask the person who's got 40 million followers on social media, how do I fix so-and-so? Because they're worried about... Making these crazy videos. Have y'all seen some of the videos that people make? Oh, my Atlanta. But if you, some of them are funny, yes, I will say that. But you look at them and you're like, how on earth? I mean, and you get paid to do this? Craziest thing I've ever seen. Blows my mind. But if your car is messing up, you go to a mechanic. If your tooth hurts, you go to a dentist. If you're having issues with your plumbing, you call a plumber. If the lights won't work in your house or the receptacles don't work, you call an electrician. You go to someone who can help you fix the problem. But the problem is today, and you would think that that's common sense, but in the, in the realm of spiritual help, people today neglect the words of the wise. Instead of searching out wisdom and finding the quiet wisdom, they're listening to someone cry out and yell, a ruler among fools. And you know, if you're on social media or you watch the news at all, you know what you see today? You see a bunch of people in these massive meetings talking about stuff that they have no idea what they're talking about. I'm not going to mention any names, but I'm just going to say this. If I need help with farming, I'm not calling a politician. You go to someone who can help. Does that make sense? Wisdom is better. Wisdom is better than the cry of him that ruleth among fools. Verse 18. Wisdom is better than weapons of war. But one sinner destroyeth much good. Wisdom solves more problems than war ever has. But the problem is you have one person that can come in and say one thing and mess all or mess everything up. You have one person make some crazy statement and mess everything up. So what is Solomon trying to get across to these young men? He's like, look, you're going to have a lot of distractions. 
you're going to have a lot of things come up. Society is going to tell you, you need to look at those who are most popular, those who are most powerful, those who are famous, those who have a lot of money. That's where your focus needs to be because you want to be like one of those one day. But then here you have Solomon saying, but while the world says that, God says wisdom is better. So where's our focus at? Are we worried about climbing some social ladder, gaining more money in our pocket, following the social crowd, or are we more concerned about wisdom? Proverbs says throughout that God is the source of wisdom. So if we want wisdom, guess who we want? God. So let's, look, let's do this. Let's learn to put the emphasis where God does. And this is just one aspect of it. There's, there's many of them throughout Scripture. But let's learn to put the emphasis where God does when it comes to this, this idea of wisdom. Wisdom is better. Let's pray. Dear Lord, most precious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the many blessings that you've given us, Lord God. We thank you most importantly and above all for coming to this earth, dying for our sins and for giving us eternal life. Lord, tonight's thought was uh, just something short. But Lord, it was something from your word that I believe is desperately needed. Lord, the, Lord, the world needs wisdom. The world needs wisdom. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us as your people to be desirous of the wisdom that you alone give. But we have a lot of people who are in places of position and power, and, and they're popular, and they have a lot of money, they're very wealthy. But, Lord, what they don't have is you. Lord, they don't have your wisdom. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be more concerned about you and your wisdom than we do about the people, these, these rulers who are crying out among the fools. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to put the emphasis where you do and remember that wisdom is better. Lord, we love you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.